What is this magic? I need that magic. Welcome to my Black is Transnational. This is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts, and I got my special guest with me, my personal person. That's me, Dr. Ava Hart. Yes, and today is another one of our, this episode is another one of our pillow talks. So for those of y'all who have heard our pillow talk conversations before, y'all kind of know how this goes. Just an opportunity for us to sit and chat casually, literally sitting with pillows and just talking um, about our personal experiences and sharing our conversations with you all when it comes to the transnational experience and how it affects us personally. Um, This is a special one because it's Valentine's Day week. So we'll be dropping this episode before Valentine's Day. All right. Just for you all to have a little motivation to do right in your relationship. (laughs) We're not perfect. I'm just talking. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yes, let's get the formalities out the way. If this is your first time listening to My Black is Transnational, the podcast is available on all platforms, on Apple, Spotify, Google, TuneIn, wherever you listen to podcasts. So please rate, review, and even subscribe if you really like what we're talking about on this episode and other episodes. Um, if you have any comments, if you're listening to this episode on the Anchor app, please feel free to leave one of those voice messages. I'd love to hear your feedback. If not, send me an email on blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter nor Facebook. So you can Instagram, follow me at blacktransnational underscore. Really love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Support the movement. It's Black History Month. We're going to celebrate black love. All right. So gotten the formalities out the way. This episode is going to be called Transnationally in Love, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. Because I'm so in love with you. And the podcast. That too. I was trying to be nice because you're here, <laughs> but this episode is just an opportunity, babe, for us to just talk about, I, I really want to know what's on your mind as far as, as us. I want to know what, what you think about us. I'm, I'm lucky enough for you to marry me. I'm lucky enough to, to say that I have you in my life and I, and I know that we essentially come from two different worlds, but we've been able to bridge a gap and I believe in it, we've been able to create something special that um, I am certainly proud of. And I have no issues telling the world about it. But uh, I want to know your thoughts about what being in a relationship with a transnational such as myself or just from two different cultures within the same race, what that, what the challenges were, what our successes were. And we'll also take some opportunities to answer some questions that some listeners, surprisingly, some listeners sent us some questions. I wasn't sure people were actually going to respond to my Instagram post, but people did. Thank you for sharing questions for those who did. And we'll make sure we read and answer those questions before the show ends. But we're going to talk a little bit and give you all a little bit of background and just talk a little bit about some of the things on our minds. And mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll address some other questions. What do you think? I agree with everything you said. Okay, I'm done rambling. So I want to know what you I want to know what you think. What's on your mind? So, I mean, first and foremost, being in love, having a relationship, being married, it boils down to the basic principle that you love this person, you're committed to this person, and you communicate with this person. So, I mean, 
whether or not we're in the same culture or different cultures, uh, that's the basis. And so that makes it easier when you are from two different cultures, when you do have differences, um, you can fall back on those things that are pretty much the basis. Now, as far as you being Nigerian and me being African-American, having two different cultures, I mean, when we first met, I really didn't know the extent of what it meant to be Nigerian or what that meant for who you were, um, because I had never dated somebody that wasn't African-American. So upon first meeting you, it was like, oh, okay, well... I know you like to join groups and I know you're a very social person, but I mean, you came off, you didn't show me your accent at least right away. Um, You were dressed in American clothing, so. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, so you expected me to be dressed in like, you wanted me to be wearing a butt or something the day you met me. Well, no, but it's just like (laughs) your first impression kind of determines who you think this person is. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw you, I didn't see um, you know, a Nigerian man. I, I mean, your name was Kalechi Ebay Lambert. So of course it's a little different, but other than that, there wasn't any other symbol that said, Hey, this guy has a very strong culture that's different than yours. Um, but I mean, eventually it became clear. <laughs> yeah. So you saw me as an imposter to the African-American community. I was faking it. No, not saying? an imposter. <laughs> you have the ability to move between two worlds, as facts, you say. Facts, so facts. you can be African-American when you need to, but you can also continue to, to hold on to your Nigerian culture. Um, but I mean, so initially it wasn't something I truly thought about until we actually started getting to know each other. And you were like, hey, I'm Nigerian. Hey, my culture is important. Hey, my name is Kalechi Ebay Lambert's son of the Ebay Lambert's dynasty. I don't know if you said it like that, but I'm trying to put a lot of pride in what I say. So yeah. that way it kind of seems like that. <laughs> I don't know. What, do I know how I sound <laughs> when I talk? Hey. <laughs> no, that's just me. Hey. Hey, <laughs> that's how it sounds. Dang, G. <laughs> uh, that's wild, man. <laughs> but I mean, it became clear that your culture was very important to you. And, you know, you told me what about your culture is very important, staying connected, going back to Nigeria. And I mean, at that point, you know, that put a little fear in me and my family because it's like, well, we got more questions to ask because where you plan on living your life? And. How often do you plan on going out the country and do you plan to just live in Nigeria? And then, of course, when I start telling my family about it, it's like, well, you sure he don't have a wife over in Nigeria somewhere? You sure he don't have an arranged wife somewhere that, you know, you don't know about? You know, the truth is that they probably did have an arranged marriage. It's just that I didn't know her either. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I didn't know about any of this. So. Yeah. So, I mean, those things come into play and those are all the questions that you ask yourself initially. So, I mean, what were your answers? That's the question. Um, I mean, the thing about it was getting into this relationship. I mean, you know, I realized growing up that just based on my experiences, a lot of relationships don't really last long among transnationals who are dating or in relationship with people who may not necessarily be as exposed to 
non-Western culture. So, you know, you see it maybe not even in the African-American community sometimes, but in other communities, you see that we try to keep things really within the group, within the culture for the sake of understanding, not having to explain yourself, not having to articulate some of the nuances about culture because some people just don't understand. I mean, you see it a lot in different cultural groups. Sometimes if you're dating someone from the Middle East and you're not necessarily from the Middle East, they don't take that relationship serious. So I always thought that, you know, I don't know if I was going to end up with a Nigerian. I I just felt like I was going to find myself being with someone that was going to make me happy. But that person had to be open-minded. Um, I, you know, when it came to living in Nigeria, I want to have someone that would be, wouldn't mind traveling back there with me, wouldn't mind spending some time there with me. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily want that person to commit to living in Nigeria when, if that person is not choosing to, that's, that makes them feel uncomfortable, but I wanted them to be comfortable understanding that this is my home. Nigeria is my home. That's where I'm from. That's where I want my kids, if I do have kids, to be exposed to, right? I mean, at that moment, right? Until, Mm -hmm. you know, you and Alicia came into my life. And at that point, it became very serious. And I was like, you know, I don't play around when it comes to those things, because there's no point. If we're going to just, you know, hang around and you know who I am, and you're like, look, I'm not down. We can mess around. We can mess around and keep moving. We just understand that this is just level one. But if you're trying to go deeper as far as levels and of of um, sincerity, we have to get that that point across to understand that I really am very proud. I've been brought up to be proud of my connection to Nigeria. Therefore, whoever I'm with just has to respect it and be open minded to some of the things that I do, to the food that I eat to the music that I listen to, to the fact that I have to get calls and call my family in Nigeria every Saturday, or I may receive calls during on WhatsApp. I might have people, you know, asking me to send stuff and send money. I might, you know, go wear my, you know, dashiki or I wear my, um, you know, my agbada and all these things. So if, if someone doesn't necessarily appreciate that or just respect it, then it becomes very difficult to get along with that person long term. Because if you're talking about marriage or just a, a long lasting commitment, you're really talking about sharing your life with that person. Mm-hmm. And I have to share everything. I value communication. I value being open and transparent. So the fact that we were able to kind of get to that point where we can even ask the questions, I was nervous. I wasn't sure how things were going to go. I really thought that I was like, man, she, you know, like most African-Americans, they always have this negative perspective about Africa. Um, So this feeling that they may look down on my country and I have to explain myself and say, no, there'll be no lions, no tigers, (laughs) no huts. This is not how it goes. Um, There are actually nice things in West Africa. And you can see it if you're willing to. And in my past relationships, other people weren't really, really open to that. All right. So it's like, oh, well, I just met, I just, I just went to West Africa and I can't donate blood. Right. Because. Oh yeah. You, you gotta know, wait a whole year. You know what I'm saying? So there's yeah. so many things that people just petty reasons why people just didn't want to date Africans. And that whole notion of, you know, Africans, African men, African people are very aggressive and they demand submission and all these other things too that plays a role as to how people respond because the the reality is that those stereotypes to some degree are true so i as an african man 
transnational African, nonetheless, I was concerned, okay, well, now I have to explain the fact that I'm not that type of guy. I don't demand submission. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, let's clear that up. Like, I'm a very, not that typical Nah, African I'm a very man. liberal, you know, and that's where I guess the acculturation aspect, I guess that's who I've always been, to be honest, but I've been very liberal and very open-minded in that regard. I don't demand, I hate submission in that regard. I like respect. <laughs> I think I value mm-hmm. respect and recipro- reciprocity, but not necessarily submission. It's just a turnoff to me. Like, I don't want my significant other, my wife to be, I don't want that submissive type of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be right all the time. I don't want to dominate all the time. It's just not fun. Like, I like the tit for tat. I like the back and forth. Not necessarily arguments, though mm-hmm. I do thrive in conflict. But I don't necessarily <laughs> I don't necessarily I don't necessarily look for the back and forth in that. But I want you to have your own voice. I want yeah. you to be able to speak and tell me your mind. I like debates. I like healthy, stimulating conversations. And I want us to be able to engage in that. So whoever my, my wife was gonna be in that mindset before we met, I wanted to have that same that type of energy. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't want somebody just being like, yes, yes, you're right. Because it's just not fun. Women are women. I always believe that women are just as entitled to the same amount of power, voice, whatever. And that's always been since I was little. And even to the petty point where it's like, I don't believe in that double standard. Women hit me when I was a little kid. Yeah, you catch these hands too. That. Yes, I do. Because it's true. I felt like tip for like I meant even blow for blow. If you touch me, me too, I'll touch you. I was wrong with you. Like, I don't care. Woman or man, God brought us at the same time. So <laughs> that was always my belief. So but um, yeah, so I know I just went rambled on, but I always felt like as an African man, if I was able to have someone who was going to listen to me and understand what I'm, where I'm coming from and willing to just try new things, then that was it for me. Like that person was going to, I would go, I would put the effort, put forth the effort to make sure that we can get that person assimilated or at least exposed and brought in right. And I would protect that person because well, we'll we'll talk about how it's like when it comes to in, the family and and how you navigate introducing mm. because that's another challenge as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I was a little hesitant at first too, after completely understanding what your culture meant to you. I mean, I'm African American. I've never been one of those people that say, "Oh, I have to go back to Africa," and you know, I want to connect with my roots. It was just like, well. I mean, if I end up there, I end up there, but it's not my goal. I'm fine where I am. So it kind of took me really reflecting on on who I am and just saying, you know, are you interested in learning about a brand new culture? Do you want to know about a brand new culture? And it was less about the culture and more about you. And it was like, well, you know, he's a great guy. I want to know about him. And if that means I need to know about his culture, then so be it. You know, that's what it is. Then I can learn about the culture. I can learn more because ultimately that's learning about him. So, I mean, all of those things that come in your head, oh, well, you know, maybe there's a culture of submission or maybe there's a culture of this. To me, it was just kind of understanding you more and more with each question that I asked. The interesting point that you just shared that, that stood out to me is the fact that you made the, the cultural learning a byproduct. It was a byproduct of you just wanting to get to know me. Yeah. I mean, in any other situation, like I said, I didn't have an interest in Africa to begin with. Mm-hmm. So 
it wasn't me wanting to know about Africa. That wasn't my driving. It was wanting to know about you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you had came with a Pakistanian background or Indian background or Australian, I would have learned about all of those because it was you. You right. get what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like sometimes African-Americans, some of us that really want to connect with our homeland, we go out and we find people that are from those areas to get to know about the area, but not about the person. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like that. I wanted to always know about you. That's interesting. I didn't even think about it from that perspective because there are some people who do go out there just to, you know, to really get that connection with Africa by just using someone as African, but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily for developing love, but more so using them as a vessel to get connected or become to exposed they be. yeah. to where they want to be. That's actually kind of deep. Now, I was thinking about it as you were talking. There's an advantage um, to being, there's an advantage to being African, transnational in this relationship for me because the advantage is that I understand the American culture. Mm -hmm. Because you grew up here. Because I grew up here, right? For the most Mm -hmm. part, I spent my adolescent years and and my adult years here going back and forth, but I had the advantage of being able to navigate in your space. Yeah. Right. So it was yeah. so much easier for you. To, you can come to the cookout. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, I knew how to get you down. Know the songs. I know the songs. I know the music. I know the culture. I understand the history. Right. I and and that's one thing that I think stands out. That I think stood out with me compared to most. Is I understood the Black history. Yeah. yeah. Not many Africans who live in America understand the history of African Americans, mm-hmm. and, and especially is. in Black History Month, outside of the, the mainstream Black History Month information, not many people really know about it. But I definitely invested time when I was growing up to understand Black history, which I think endeared me a lot more to the African American community, mm-hmm. right? So it was easy for me to navigate your space, but that what, that's what gave me the advantage. But my biggest thing was man, how am I going to get her accustomed to my peoples? And the thing about it was that when I always was dating, my biggest thing was I never took, I never messed around with women just to mess around because it was one, and most Africans who are listening here can attest to the fact that you don't bring anybody home. So whoever you bring home is, is that person better be a candidate. It's like an interview, like second Mm -hmm. round. Right, you better bring them, and that person better have something of value, something of substance to share and contribute. We better know that she's cultured, she's educated, she has something. Because if you bring the wrong person, that person doesn't lie. That's an embarrassment. Yeah, I can mm. understand that. They don't play around. So for me, my thing was like, man, she better be goddamn worth it. Like if she ain't worth it, oh my <laughs> god, this is gonna be bad. Because it's almost like a court case, right? Just imagine like some <laughs> Annalise Keaton type stuff where you just gotta like you gotta defend this person because yeah. when you go up there you you on try everybody looking at you trying to figure out what you about why is this person especially if she's not even if especially you're especially if you're even if you were even if you were african if you were from another country that's just the way our people are if you're from another country in africa they'll look it's at you and be like nigerian or nothing nigerian even nigeria be like oh if you don't this person you're you're you're, you're, you're evil or, or nothing exactly so it doesn't Europe. matter <laughs> but it's so much easier right it's like from moving from like arbitration to like you know mediation to like trial by bench to trial by jury yeah right so it's like when you date someone that's african-american that's not within the culture especially the way africans perceive african-americans unfortunately because of things we've talked about in past episodes this whole notion is like oh my god i have some people growing up would be like look i'd rather you date a white person than Mm. date an african-american and i'm like hell why is that 
because they feel like obviously the privilege that comes with it, right? This association of, of this association of whiteness with appropriateness, mm. right? With civil, okay. with, with being civilized, mm-hmm. right? So when you when you within the culture, you're like, oh, don't go and date an Akata person, don't go and bring a Akata person to this house, and it's like, why? Because okay. that thing is perceived that okay, now you're bringing someone who is looked who has low status, who is not necessarily cultured, who is who's lost. Right, and now you are devaluing the culture. You are there's a negative association that comes with it. What they call in the research negative assimilation, downward. Mm. I'm sorry, not negative, but downward assimilation. Right. So instead of you rising up in society, when you associate yourself with people of lower status, those people essentially bring you down. That's the that's the perception. And that thing is a real thing because I've been every, even growing up, I was like, don't bring that content. I was like, why? Like, they're black people too. And these are my, I'm going to find the person I'm with. But when I when I met you, I was thinking like, yo. She's in a kata? Yeah, man. Can't bring her home. Like, no, I was going to bring you, but I was just like, okay, she has to be legit because I need to be able to defend her. Okay, cool. She got, you know, all these things, these great qualities. I if if I stand by you, I stand by you, and I need to stand by you through thick and thin. So it's like you married. In my right mind, then and there. I had to know that you're somebody you worth marrying. You gotta know that you gonna marry this person. Exactly. And stand by him through thick and thin. Exactly. And you bring them to the house. Exactly. So 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 there are a lot of people who've never really met my mom, who obviously doesn't even have never even talked about my dad mm. in Nigeria. So a lot of people I dated in the past had no idea. Right? It was easy for me to come to your space and navigate and make you feel comfortable. But when it was time for me. That's how you know, okay, this dude is real serious. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you're dating a transnational, most cases, in most cases, if they're from, if they're 1.5 or first generation, if they're serious about you, mm-hmm. they will allow you to come to their space. Maybe things have changed, but it's few and far in between and where you'll see a Nigerian or an African bring their, the first time they go on a first date, they'll go and bring somebody to their house. Yeah, Parents I mean, ask you, are you crazy? that happen in any culture, really. Yeah. I mean... In African American culture, you really don't bring people home the first day you meet. Well, them. Not, but I'm saying, but unless it's, you live with your parents, but it's most likely. But it's am I, but am I wrong if I say that you're more likely after a couple times hanging out, you're more likely to tell your parents about it if you're an adult. As an adult, yeah, right. Yeah. If you're 18 and older, yeah, maybe even younger at sometimes in this day and age, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so in an African culture, it doesn't even matter if I was 25, 30. But see, that kind of goes into the parental dynamic of what kind of how the parent-child relationship changes as they get older. Because I feel like in Nigerian culture, no matter what age you are, you're still a child. Right. But then here in the U.S., even with African-Americans, once you become of age, per se, your parents are not taking on or they're, they're parents, but they're more of like a friend. They're more of run your ideas by me type of thing. So when you're at that age where you're grown and you're dating people, you can tell your parents about it. Mm-hmm. But in Nigerian culture, if you're still the child and they're the parent dynamic, you can't necessarily do that. Yeah. And it's, it's just so many other things that come with it. Right. So, I mean, obviously you can do your dating discreetly. You don't tell them for real, for real. At this point, you just introduce them. Okay. This is my friend. Right, this is a friend I'm really good friends with, and they just kind of they may there may be some hints there that they can insinuate, they can kind of make out okay, they they might be dating, but I'm not gonna officially claim this person. So if I happen, let's say we were dating, right, and I happen to be driving and I happen to stop by the crib, 
to get something, and we were on our way to a date. There's no such thing as a girlfriend. I'm not if I if you if you stop by my mom happened to be at home, and I was like, hey, my this is my friend, this is my friend Wanda. I wouldn't have been like, yo, this is my girlfriend. My mom mm-hmm. never interpreted it as that. Even if I said girlfriend, in her mind, it's not gonna interpret it as that mm-hmm. until I'm like, look, this is the person I'm getting ready to. Like, oh yeah, this is girlfriend. This is the lady that he's really into. You know what I'm saying? So, at least this is from my own perspective. But one of the things that's interesting is that nowadays, you know, second generation, some people may have this exposure, but not everyone. All right. And it also adds to the fact that I was thinking in, when we in our early stages, you know, okay, how do I defend her to, you know, how do I defend her to my parents? But also, like, when we have kids, how is this going to go? Like, is this good? And that was another thing that I was really scared of. Like, okay, if we were to have children, is she going to be open-minded to me having my kids travel to Africa? Right? Is she going to withhold my children and try to shield them from the culture? Because if she does that, then we're going to have problems. Well, right? you know what? And I, wasn't, and I wasn't down. Like, I was like, nah, it's not going to be that. You know, if, if this person is not for the culture as far as being open-minded... Um, and allowing my kids, future kids, even if she, if she wanted to have kids, because that was another thing. If she didn't want to have kids, and that's another conversation. But if she wants to have kids, and we do essentially plan to have kids, then one of the things is, okay, well, are you down for letting my children travel to Nigeria too? Because if not, then we might as well just cut this short. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that, that's, that's very important. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As far as posterity goes, I need to make sure that my future kids have that. So, I mean, those are some of the things that we had to hash out. Right. I mean, I, I thought about it as well, you know, um, and I don't and I don't think it has anything to do with culture per se. But I mean, as a mother, you realize that your child is going to an entirely different country. And then as a doctor, I think about what they're exposed to in that culture or in that country, not necessarily by the culture itself, but in that country. And so those are the things that made me uncomfortable, you know, initially um, but it's not a reflection of the culture per se. So sometimes I think we can kind of get things a little misconstrued and say it's the culture when really it's just the situation. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so I think we've kind of talked about some of the challenges. What what were some other challenges you thought you, you thought about before you move on to some of the successes? I mean, you talked about introducing me to your family, but then the other thing was just introducing you to my family. Um, it wasn't as big an issue as um, as what you went through, but it was kind of dispelling some of those myths and those beliefs that my family had. And so, I mean, initially you meet them, they're fine, you know, oh, we love him, he has a great personality, but, you know, here and there you hear a little something that's, well, you ain't, you ain't gonna leave my grandbabies in Nigeria, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ain't going to up and leave us and and we'll never see you, right? You know, those little things creep out. And, you know, when you go to Nigeria, you're going to be riding a a horse and all of these, I mean, um, a giraffe and all of these things. So then just trying to educate my family on what it's like, what it means and what the culture is about. So, I mean, there's always some truth in things that people say, but in our relationship specifically, I have to be a little bit more clear with my family that this isn't just, you know, the myths that you've heard. It's an actual relationship and these are the truths and these are 
the not so true things. So that'll kind of segue into the conversation about the successes in in being a transnational relationship um, such as ours. And I think that's one of them. Um, I think you you eloquently just stated that in in the sense of we were able to dispel myths about what people thought about African-Americans and Africans respectfully uh, to our family members, because I think now being able to, you know, have you as my wife, and and I think before we even got married, I think you changed a lot of their assumptions about African-Americans. I mean, a lot of them were like, oh, wow, like she really, you know, she really wants to, she's tried African food before, or she understands, you know, broken English a little bit, or she, you know, she's, she, she's willing to learn the culture. Like, wow, that's big. You know, I had a lot of my uncles who would come to me and be like, wow, she's open-minded. Even when we're in Nigeria, like, my my cousins came to me and it was like, wow, like, she she's she's really open-minded. Like, that's awesome. Like, we never expected that from an African-American, from a, from a black American. So I think I was able to dispel some of the thoughts that I think my family had towards African-American, particularly women, as far as their attitude. The assumption was that they were rude, they were disrespectful, and you didn't come off like as any of that. And I think that left a lasting impression on my family because it was like, you know, you're expecting this type of tension, you're expecting somebody to turn up, and that wasn't what they got. So it was like, wow, like she's very, she's very different. And, and, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, on my end, I don't know, I, I oh, like my I... family said the same thing. I mean, so my family, they're very sheltered when it comes to things outside of the U.S. I don't think my parents have ever been out the country, per se, other than like the Bahamas or the islands or something. And so it's really just what they've heard. It isn't anything or any person that they've actually met. And so initially upon meeting you, if it wasn't for your name, they just assumed you were the typical African-American male. Um, of course, you are a professor, you're a doctor, um, and you carry yourself in such a way that you definitely um, get a lot more respect than the typical African-American male. But I think they saw you as the typical African-American male until I told them otherwise. So another success, I would say, was the ability for us to be able to bridge that gap. Um, to be able to go to Africa together um, and be able to instill African culture and along with African-American culture to our daughter's life with Alicia. I think we're able to introduce her to things that are both African, Nigerian specifically, and African-American, right? And I thought that was actually a success in our relationship as well. Um, along with just the fact that we are able to, we're able to travel, we're able to intertwine a lot of the things that we do in our daily lives with both when it comes to our food, when it comes to our music, we expose ourselves to different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's made us a multidimensional family. And we've been able to use that transnational component of our relationship to be able to now have the best of multiple worlds. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it just really boils down to finding the right person and truly loving one another enough to want to know more about them and their um, how they uh, function in their life and all these things that have 
But babe, Impacted that sounds them. that sounds, and I'm sorry to interject, but that sounds so idealistic. But uh, no, it's, it's true. It's I can not, tell you right now, if you were another man, somebody that I wasn't truly, truly in in love with and really wanted to be with, I wouldn't go through all of this. Yes, you. I mean, it I know, has nothing to do with. Well, it does have to do with your culture, but it's first and foremost the love for you. That's, you get what I'm saying? No, no, that's real. The fact that. We as a team, as a couple, are together. Mm-hmm. We as a couple love each other enough to learn about each other's culture. But a part of me feels like we're just blessed. But I, and I think we're blessed based off, based off our circumstances. I think some people are put in precarious situations where the pressure of their family, their transnational ties, leads them to be able to make the difficult choice of letting go of somebody that they may truly love and want to be with because they want to sustain their ties and culture and they want to save or stay in the good graces of their family. Well, yeah. So that's so something that's, outside of our relationship. Right, right, right. And that's se. what I'm saying. That's why I say that we can't just say, oh, it's about finding the person you love and stuff like that. I think we were very fortunate and blessed. Well, I'm saying that as far as my part, as okay. far as me putting forth the effort to learn your culture, okay. to be involved, to integrate it into my life, okay. that is a direct reflection of how I feel about you okay. personally. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So, yes, there are always those outside things, outside family obligations to say, you know, you're out the will if you decide to marry her and you're just at ends with that, at odds with that. Right. Um, but, I mean, I was just getting to me as a partner. If you have found a partner and your partner is just adamantly like, well, I don't like your culture and I don't want to learn anything about your culture, then you have to think twice about, is that really the right person? But that person can also be like, I want to learn about your culture. I love this about you, that. And it's just like, let's say it could have been a situation where you and I were dating. You did all these things. Parents are like, you know what? She's great and all, but... When she has a child, or you know, she's she's African American. When y'all have when y'all have kids, this child is gonna be lost. This child is gonna have to be, you know, and that's coming from the parents, not from the person in right, the relationship. Right, but that pressure falls on that person, right? Mm-hmm. You want to please your family, especially because in the African culture, independence is a really big thing, right? There's not really much of an independent culture like it is here. Right? I so, mean, so then you have to determine, is it about your family's happiness or your happiness? But that's where I'm saying, like, it sounds it sounds good in theory. But in re- in reality, those are that's a difficult, a difficult thing yeah, for someone to it do. It is. It's like you're out the will if you decide to marry this woman. It's not even about person. out the will, right? But you know that when you go you're home, disowned. when you go home to the home in which you connected to and you say you're proud of, and you can't even go home now because all of a sudden the people don't, you know, they're not. You're not welcome there. You disappointed them. You shame them. Yeah, right? I understand and, that. And, that you know, happens and, in a lot of cultures. Exactly, and that's that. When we talk about culture being the currency of life, those values, right? People will have high value for those type of things. When you bring in words such as shame, disappointment, embarrassment, taboo, those words really matter. And you don't want to bestow that on the family name. Some people take that to the max. They take it seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. I happen to be the one who was just like, you know, I don't care about none of that because I want peace of mind. And I always had the mindset where I was like, you know, whoever they want to marry, if they should marry them. Like, yeah. Because if, mm-hmm. I always, remember I used to tell you that, like, mm-hmm. if my mom C was to die, God forbid, but if my mom C was to die or anything, who's going to marry that chick? 
because that was the one that loved. She was the one that loved that person, not me. Like mm-hmm. you had to grow to love that person in an arranged marriage. So, okay, we've kind of rambled on about this topic. Now I want to know, why do you love me? Why do I love you? Mm-hmm. I always tell you. I say it's because you're everything that I have prayed for. Um, you're a very caring person. Um, you are intellectual. You're just saying this because it's a podcast. No. I've said this multiple times. We can have these kind of conversations. And I remember many days just sitting there thinking like, oh, if I can find a man where I can just talk to, oh, Lord, that would just be it. So you have that in addition to um, you're very cute. You're nice to look at. (laughs) And, I mean, you are accepting yourself. And, I mean, even though we talk about me and you know learning about your culture there was a lot that you had to accept about me when you got into this relationship and so that by itself just makes me um love you even more because it takes a lot on your part to be the man you are um to take a child that's not your own you know to take me and all my flaws so i mean those are just tiny reasons as to why i love you not all of them. I mean, I, I always say that I love you because, and I know this may sound very corny, but I love you because you saw me for the man that I, in a blurry way, saw myself. You saw me for the man that I was trying to be, and you loved me for it. You were patient with me. You were understanding. You You gave me peace of mind, and that's something that I just do not play with. Um, I value that so much to be able to have someone who is willing to just live peacefully with you. And that's not to say there's not going to be drama or any type of conflict. Oh, you bring it. I do. I do. (laughs) Um, And I'm very animated in my style, you know, and you're patient with that and you, and you, you love me for who I am, but I love you because you, you elevate me. You, um, you maximize, my life uh you you basically you know you've you've transformed me in a sense where i've become more calm i've become more more understanding even more empathetic than i used to be um how was that possible i know right but i've become i mean i've become more more understanding because now i'm able to sit back and not be aggressive and really sit and just think and think critically and not just turn up because i see something that upsets me You've been able to to really reach in and touch my heart in that regard. Um, you know everything else. You brought in Alicia and and this. You you gave me the sense of the the thing that I really wanted, which was to be a family man, to be able to be responsible for someone and to someone, for someone to hold me accountable, for someone to trust me enough to be able to share important pieces of their lives and not to. I just took that trust you gave me to heart and I valued it and cherished it and the support you gave me the support you showed me when I was mad just the ability to be able to even calm me down when I would be upset sometimes um you were everything that I needed and I didn't see it but you were placed in my life for that you didn't see it I didn't see it at all you didn't even want me I didn't (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing G I I was just I was just wilding out. Now with the I was just minding my business trying to get on this solo road and 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 God put you in my life. We always talk about thank God for the winding road that led 
me to you and and this is what it means and but I love you because you are just an amazing partner um I cannot imagine this life without you because you know I look at I look at just how we communicate I just believe that I can't communicate with anyone as well as I communicate with you I mean we talk about anything I mean we're talking now and I even forgot that the that the microphone was going but see you didn't just went for like five minutes talking about how much you love me you make me look horrible i probably said like two sentences it don't matter <laughs> yeah, but, that's, but you know i but i'm the i'm you like go but on i'm the lo- i'm the loquacious one you know i just talk what because is loquacious i mean i talk i talk a lot that means i just talk i just talk and talk because oh i be my in my goodness. feelings i go deep and you know but that's how i've always been i've always been a very yeah, deep expressive have. person i be you into are. all types of stuff i be looking i can look at this purple you know, color crayon. I could talk about how it means royalty and you a queen. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I just be getting, I be getting into all types of stuff. But, but nonetheless, this is exactly why um, I love you because you are just, you're my every woman, and I, and that that really is. I I, I lack nothing um, mm-hmm. as far as stimulation and conversation and, and just uh, uh, if peace. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you're the best. All right. So, it's Valentine's. Do you want to talk about what you got me? What I got you? Yeah. Who said this is Okay, hold on, hold on. This hold on. is the holiday so, for me. So, so no, see that's no. see that's that that what is What I got you? Let me tell you about the biggest fallacy. Oh my god. The biggest Where's fallacy. Where's my dinner, my steak, see, my chocolate? See, all that G and roses. All that be happening, man. And like I ain't never not never got nothing for sweetest day. Okay. Wait, I've never gotten you anything. When for you got me anything for Sweetest Day? When is Sweetest Day? You see? You see what I'm talking about? You ain't so I ain't not never, man. Don't hit me with this double standard. He's gonna talk about the Valentine's Day. I give day. you stuff throughout the year. All right, I man. give you great things throughout see, the year. See, man, that's that. That's I that. give you lots of forehead kisses. Not really, but see all these things, man. I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> like, but anyway, Valentine's Day, I honestly. So what you give me? I got you a dope gift. I got you something that I think you'll like. It was, you know, my pockets was hurting because of this transition to this new life in New York in the snow. But my pockets were hurting. But I got you something that I think you really like. And it's in the mail. And it should be here by tomorrow. FYI. Just mm. so you know. So, so don't check the mail. I got the mail. You don't check the mail anyway. But anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple questions from a couple of um, listeners. I mean, not that many, but I got a, a, enough to get us um, talking. So the first thing is, first question from one of our listeners was, how do you sustain a healthy relationship and a successful career? And I think we can both be able to answer it because I think we're both in um Probably esteemed professions, and I think we have a healthy relationship. So, what do you say, babe? Um, I mean, first and foremost, you have to make your relationship a priority. Mm-hmm. And so, the thing about being a doctor, being a professional, is that people want you to think that your job is everything, your career is everything, and so they'll pull you in all directions. Oh, you know, we got to keep you a little bit later or we need you to do this. We need you to do that. But in your mind, you have to make sure that your relationship is a priority. And so as a result, if you know, you want to be home for dinner and you want to eat dinner with your partner, make sure that happens every night. If you want to make sure you don't forget birthdays or forget holidays, you write it down. You make sure that those things are priorities. And so for me, 
I definitely make my relationship, my role as a wife and a mother priority over my career because if it isn't for my mental health, my ability to be a good mother, my ability to be a good wife, I would be a horrible, horrible physician. And that's because I can't clearly focus my head. So um, making those things priorities, I think, will help kind of even out the playing field. I agree with the prioritizing aspect of things to a certain extent, but I think the number one thing is is the communication standpoint. I believe that there's some people such as myself who are very much so workaholics and we can get very, I would say, infatuated with the work that we are doing and we can get consumed by it, um, such as I do sometimes with my research. And it's always good to have a partner who can kind of bring you back. Um, I do think you prioritize, I normally say God, family, you know, work, frat, or other type of extracurricular activities. I think one of the real, one of the healthiest things that we did as a couple was, I don't know if you remember, you know, we had that conversation um, downstairs in the living room and we were like, you know, you asked me like, what do you see yourself in five years? And we've been together for over six, but he was like, where do you see yourself in five years? And like, you know, how do you, you know, how do you view this? And remember we had that conversation, like, what are your goals mm-hmm. that you set for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that was, a, I mean, that's just, that's another that's reason why. And that's another dynamic that I just think we have that other couples don't have. And that we ain't need no counseling for none of that either. We just could naturally feel comfortable enough to just say, okay, we've been together for a long time and we should know each other and what we do, but what do you see? What, what do you see happening in the next yeah. five to 10 years? Yeah. You know, how does that play a role? What do you see yourself spiritually? What do you see yourself mentally? How happy do you want, you know, do you imagine yourself being in the next 10 years? I mean, that made me think, right? And that that allows for me to be able to communicate and set your goals. And I say all this to say that if you're in a relationship, I believe that you need to communicate with your partner and explicitly state what your objectives are. Yeah. As far as what your goals are, career-wise, this is what I'm trying to do. This is who I'm trying to be. These are the steps I'm trying to take to make it. Baby, I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there, but I got this vision. Mm-hmm. I got this idea. This is my plan. And this is how I like you to play your role as far as supporting or if you are willing to support. If you're not willing to support, I understand, but this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. All right? Because then when you're able to tell them exactly what your career goal and even a timeline is, then your partner and you are able to negotiate how you can manage to mm-hmm. s- sustain a healthy relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the negotiation is key. You should be able to talk and be willing to flex and bend, but at least allows for both of you because that partner might have his or her, their own careers mm-hmm. and their own plans that they want to do and, they, and their own goals they want to reach. Y'all need to be able to have that long conversation about what, what you all can do and how you can now together come to a consensus about, okay, this is what our plans are for each other. This is how we're going to both support each other in Mm -hmm. our careers. And this is how we can be able to still, when we get home, take those hat, that work hat off and just husband, wife, father, mother, you know, sustain that relationship, continue to do things, continue to go on dates, continue to treat each other like, you know, like best friends and continue to have open conversations. Those things matter. Yeah. And I think that's how you're able to have us by being able to have someone who's willing to have that conversation with you and set those goals and communicate and just continue to make, understand that this relationship is a constant work in progress Mm -hmm. and there is no magic pill because 
everything, every day is a new day and every instance, just like people, it changes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree yeah. with all of that. Okay. All right. So the next question was, what do you do? How long, I'm sorry, how long do you have to wait once getting out of a relationship to get into another one? I don't think there's a standard answer for that, as in how long you have to wait. Uh, I think it kind of just depends on you. I always say the Lord is working and we may not know what the outcome is and we might not even know he's working. Um, and so with that in mind, you, you just don't know. I, you get out of a relationship and you meet somebody and that may be your soulmate, you know, two days later, who knows, Mm -hmm. or you get out of a relationship and you meet somebody five years later and that's your soulmate. So I don't think there's any set criteria. You just have to be, um, open, honest, and just listen to the Lord when it comes to who you're dating and what you need to do. Um, just try your best not to fall into some of those pitfalls that people fall into when they're getting out of relationship and getting into a relationship too soon, like looking for friends with benefits or, you know, just out here doing whatever, just have some friends and then just see where the Lord takes you guys. Okay. I, I would agree with that. I think, um, I've always believed that as human beings, we're very interactive creatures and we're meant to be interacting with each other. Um, obviously some ways are, are less intimate than others. Um, but I believe that, you know, it doesn't really matter if you relate, getting into a relationship and getting out of a relationship. I've always told those who know me, it's a process. Mm-hmm. It takes, a, it takes, it takes time to build that relationship and actually be with someone, especially nowadays when people are like, Oh, we talking, you know, people don't court anymore. Right. So it's like, we talking, we not talking phase, whatever. Right. It's like, you're negotiating how we're going to get into this relationship or we're just going to stay here in this in this complicated phase, right? Yeah. But it takes time before people actually become official in a relationship. So it also takes time to break apart. Mm-hmm. But just as long as you, when, as soon as you break apart, that doesn't mean that you're not entitled to get back into another negotiation or another interaction with someone else. That's just how we are as human beings. Yeah. If that person happens to be your soulmate, then it's meant to be. You know, I'm all about being happy. I've always about, you know, I'm not worried about society because once I die, society's going to keep going. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People are going to keep keep living their life. A couple posts here, a couple RIPs, but you're only mm-hmm. as good as the last person who remembers you. And to me, I want to be remembered by the person that I'm with, you know, and so I want to leave an impact on the person that I'm you know, that that's going to be my soulmate. I want to leave a lasting impression and make that person happy. So I'm living not just for myself, you know, but I'm also, but I do want to make myself happy. Self-care yeah. is not selfish. And part of self-care is finding somebody, a good partner, as long as that person is not bringing in any baggage that might pollute or, you know, interrupt your life. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're not bringing any baggage that might interrupt that person's life. So if you have cleanly disassociated yourself from that past relationship, and you're not bringing that baggage into a new relationship, and you know how to do that very well, then I'm all for it. I don't really care what the timeline is. You get into that new relationship tomorrow if you got to. It is what it is. As long yeah. as your credit good, you're good. <laughs> I mean, and the other thing is you just have to make sure that you don't, um, I guess, get into relationships too soon. So when we talk about how long you should take between relationships, I'm thinking friendships. I'm thinking every relationship that you get into um, whether it turns out to be a marriage or not, starts off as a friendship. It should, but not always. 
right? True. We're in a day and age True. now where people, you know, you swipe left, swipe right, whatever, and we in it. Well, I and mean, because you, I... you know, sometimes it starts backwards. Now, sometimes it might just start as sex, and then goes from sex into trying to know each other, and then knowing each other into a relationship, and then you try to build a friendship. When you're there. Okay. Well, that's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of as in you were in a relationship with someone and you ended it. You're done. You've made it up in your mind. This is it. And then you meet somebody a day later. But this starts off as a friendship. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean as in there's no amount of time or no set determination of time because you're going from a relationship to a friendship. Because any relationship you have should begin as a friendship. Otherwise, what do you have? Just I think that's well said. I think that's well said, babe. So, next question was, what do you think is the most important attribute to a long, healthy relationship? Outside of communication. Oh, I was going to say communication. (laughs) Huh. Oh. That's always my go-to, communication. I mean, it's a foundation for sure. Mm. I want to say love, <laughs> but not necessarily love because love fades. Yeah. Commitment. Okay. Commitment to one another. Mm. Because knowing that you're committed to someone can make you do things and work through things that you may not have thought you would work through because you're committed to the relationship you're committed to this person so outside of communication commitment Hmm. for me i would say conflict resolution i've always been you know when we first started dating i i told you i i'm a fan of getting into fights immediately like i need to know what you're about i need to know how you throw hands and not necessarily like physical hands but how do you bite you, you know what I'm saying? Like we just argue, argue. No, 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 no. We do not argue, and but that's the thing, right? We don't argue, but I know how much. things. I know how much, and I know how you know how you respond when we have conflict. I knew it from an early stage. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I've always been in. I've always been in the in the mindset of I need to know how you respond when things are not in your favor yeah. when we are not on you the same page. That. Because are you going to stab me in my heart immediately? Are you going to start stab me in the back when I turn around and I think things are good, right? And then all of a sudden, you your emotions come out metaphorically, and then all of a sudden, you stab me in the back when I thought things were okay, mm-hmm. right? Are you going to come at me head on knowing that, all right, this is how you respond, so I know you for who you are compared to not knowing who you were or know who you are and then I'm thinking things are good we're smiling each other's faces but then we get into our first big disagreement and I'm like oh shit like this person can you know turn into a demon Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know right so I've always been like within the first couple months of getting to know each other I'm I would be I'll go out of my way and I'll start something (laughs) just because I have the ability to be able to serve as a good instigator of of issues I have that (laughs) talent I have that talent I do so you know and I used it for my own benefit in the sense of being able to know okay well is this person can this person deal with you know, can this person deal with me? Can this person handle the fact that if I disagree, is she the type of person to ignore me? Because I don't like being ignored when I'm when we're upset. I like to talk about it. Does she need space? You know, is she very animated? Like, I need to know about that person, mm-hmm. right? So I believe that once we're able to figure out 
how we respond when things are bad, then it's so much easier for us to be able to enjoy the good time. Because at this point, we have the we have the we have the, the, the skills. But do you think if you guys are truly committed to the relationship, you will understand each other and develop conflict resolution? No. See, I think that I, now the commitment matters. But I'm if saying- you're so committed to your relationship that you don't want to see it end. What are you going to do when you, see, you guys but there have are, a conflict? But there are a lot of people. You're going to figure it out. There are a lot of people who get committed, quote, quote, who committed and they don't want to see it end. And then look what happened when you seen the show You on Netflix. Okay. He was committed, right? You to, know what I mean. But I'm saying, okay, so maybe I'm being petty, but I'm just saying like in a sense of I want to see how you are because when things are bad, you may question your commitment. When you're not feeling the relationship because you just got into that, you'd be like, man, I don't even know if I, I don't know what I just got into. Right. But that's why I committed. But you can be committed. And then once you, you can commit, but once the relationship starts going haywire, your commitment starts to waver because, okay, I'm trying to do the, I'm trying to take these steps to resolve the conflict, but it's not working out. I'm getting frustrated. I didn't know this person was this difficult. I didn't know this person was, you know, was, so now you're was, not committed. So now you might lose commitment. You're not committed. So I'm saying I'm not saying that the commitment doesn't matter. But I'm if you saying, got conflict resolution, then it doesn't matter about your commitment. I'm saying that right? it's so much easier to not doubt the commitment. Oh my goodness. It's so, this is like the chicken and the egg type It of could discussion. be. And I mean, but this but that's what makes a healthy conversation. So uh, it can go either way, but I do think that both matter. I'm just telling you what my perspective is because I do think that both need to have you need to have both skills yeah you definitely need, you need to have commitment for sure anyone that thinks that they are going to be in a relationship a marriage uh, forever anything and not have any conflict is delusional so you have to know how to manage it or at least how to mitigate it so that's true but i still say commitment Still say committed, but well, how did it turn into a who's what's more important? Well, never mind. That was the that question. was the question. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, why are you trying to make this? A, why are you trying to make this a competition between you? I'm like, dang. But you're right. You're right. My bad, baby. You're right as usual. Always. You're right. Yes. Okay. All right. So we've had a long conversation. So we'll kind of wind down now by me asking you, what was your fondest Valentine's Day memory that we've had in the past? Oh, my fondest. Okay. I think it was our first Valentine's Day together. Um, we were in in Illinois, and you made me dinner, and you had flowers. You got me this teddy bear, balloon, this huge card, and it was just really, really special. You made me feel. Really I remember special. that, and I think I dressed up just to mm-hmm. stay in the house. You did. <laughs> we were in the house. Yep. I was where I wore up. a suit and everything. And in you my... made dinner. I think it was some pasta. Yeah, I made some pasta yeah. and then like chicken Alfredo. Yeah, and I think I played some like old school Frank Sinatra. It was really cute. Yeah, some yep. music from like the twenties and the thirties, <laughs> and I think I made dinner. But then I think you were in Great Gatsby or something. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was yeah, Great Gatsby. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It was Great Gatsby. But I remember playing that music, and it was. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That yeah. was actually fun, man. Um, the good times. Yeah, that was definitely one. That was actually one of my fondest memories too. Um, I think that was was that our first Valentine? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that was, was our first, first Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, that's been fun. And then, the, and then it just. I mean, we were a long distance for a while. So um, last year was nice. I got a heart shaped steak. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
See, man, I, yeah, see all the things. I did get you a heart shake. I forgot about that. And it was, did I, did you share, share, share that with me? Uh, I'm sure I did. It, it was, was a huge one. So yeah, no, there's no. no way I ate that by myself. See, man, I love you to the point. But you see how the relationship changed, man? Sorry. Wait, what did I get you for Valentine's Day? Have I ever gotten you anything for Valentine's Day? A good morning. Oh, I got to get you something. I think I've gotten a card before. I think I got a Just card. Just a card? Yeah, I think I've gotten a card from you and Alicia uh, for Valentine's Day. Um, but as you mentioned, we did the long distance thing. Um, but, you know, what, 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 I don't really get too wound up in Valentine's Day anyway. You don't I, get wound up in anything. That's true. Um, except for sports. I think you all got me, you all get me a bunch of different types of gifts throughout the year. Uh-huh. So that makes me feel good. And I appreciate it. And I mean, Valentine's Day, you know, it's Black History Month. That's a white man's holiday. So <laughs> y'all better get woke. And understand that the man is just trying to get you to buy brand name stuff because. Oh, that's... you just quoting this video. You just... <laughs> <laughs> now you woke. Yeah, I mean, I've been woke, but you know, um, no, nah, I'm just, I'm, I'm being dramatic. Know the music. That's our cue. That's our cue. So, all right. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. I want to thank you all for listening. It's been great, babe. It's been excellent. I mean, just I know this sounds super cakey, but this is just why I just love this. This whole show, everything that we do. You're special. You mean the world to me. All right. You're the best. So, if you really like this show, please rate, review, subscribe. Follow me on Black Transnational underscore at Instagram. You can email me, blacktransnational17 at gmail.com. More episodes to come. Happy Black History Month. And especially, have a happy Valentine's Day. Yes. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts. And I'm Dr. Wanda. Our Black is Transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace.